Welcome to the Tom Nelson Podcast. Today I have uh, Ronald Stein here. And uh, Ronald, could you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yes, I'm Ronald Stein. I'm a co-author of the Pulitzer Prize nominated book, Clean Energy Exploitations. I'm policy advisor on energy literacy for the Heartland Institute and for the Committee for a Constructive Tomorrow and national TV commentator on energy and infrastructure with Rick Amata. And my website is energyliteracy.net. Okay. All my books, articles are on energyliteracy.net. Okay. You are on Twitter too, right? Yes. Okay. Twitter, right. Facebook, LinkedIn. What should we start talking about? We can talk about the definition of energy because the confusion is, you know, you read all this hype of that renewable energy is going to replace fossil fuels. Well, there's two important facts you got to remember that fossil fuels is totally useless unless it's manufactured into something usable. And when it goes through a refinery and gets uh, heated and cracked, it, it makes a lot of oil derivatives that accounts for 6,000 products in our daily lives that we did not have before 1900 mm -hmm. and the fuels for all the different infrastructures we have. Renewable energy, i.e. wind and solar, can only generate intermittent electricity from breezes and sunshine. Mm -hmm. Wind and solar can manufacture absolutely nothing for society. So until we find a clone to crude oil, there's no way to replace the derivatives that makes all the products in our daily lives. That's a foundation of energy. Up in Germany, I guess, to trying to run the country using wind and solar, but uh, they need a big dose of fossil fuels over there right now? Well, Germany was the first country to go green okay. with uh, wind and solar and basically shutting down all their power plants and natural gas, coal power plants, nuclear power plants. And today, Germany has the most expensive electricity in the world. And right behind them is Australia, uh, the UK and California. Uh, those are four, I want to call countries okay. that have some of the most expensive electricity in the world because uh, wind and solar, they have a nameplate rating, but the nameplate rating is a farce because mm -hmm. they can't generate it unless wind's blowing, the sun is shining. So you, they keep advertising, they're adding all this nameplate rating, mm -hmm. but they need backup. And you know where the backup is? It's fossil fuels. Mm -hmm. Need right, something right. continuous and uninterruptible. And yeah, so I, I think it's a pipe dream to think that wind and solar, I'm not going to bet my life on breezes and sunshine for survival. You know, I live okay. in California, we've got, the, you know, basically temperate climate here. But if you're living in areas that are extremely hot or extremely cold, you don't want to depend on breezes and sunshine for your survival. Right, right. I don't. I'm in Minnesota and uh, it gets cold here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's going to get cold. Yeah. Because, yeah. like I say, the, the transition to electrical generation from breezes and sunshine has proven to be ultra expensive for the wealthy countries. The wealthy countries being Germany, Australia, America. And, and these countries represent only 6% of the world's population, a little over 500 million versus the almost 8 billion people in the world. Mm -hmm. And these wealthy countries, as I mentioned, now have among the highest costs for their electricity, while the poor developing countries, currently without the usage of the 20th century products we get manufactured from crude oil, they're experiencing like 11 million child deaths per year due to the unavailability of the fossil fuel products. We have a medication in 
uh, health industry that doesn't exist in developing countries. The, and, you know, they talk about climate change is going to affect a lot of people. That's true. But it seems obvious that efforts to cease the use of crude oil could be the greatest threat to civilization's 8 billion people. You know, attempts to decarbonize the world like we had before 1800, you know, before 1800, there were no coal-fired power plants, there were no natural gas power plants, the Beverly Hillbillies hadn't discovered oil yet, mm -hmm. and, and it would result in billions of fatalities for the 8 billion on earth from diseases, malnutrition, weather-related deaths versus the projected, I'm going to say, smaller millions of fatalities from climate change. You know, billions without oil is a lot greater than millions from climate change. You know, realistically, Thomas, there's there's no silver bullet answers to save the entire eight billion population on this earth. You know, an abundance of, of crude oil, the same oil that contributes to the world populated from one to eight billion in less than two hundred years. That's quite an achievement, but that's led to prosperity for all in the wealthy countries. While well, a restriction of lack of oil leads to economic struggle, poverty, shortages, and inflation to maintain current lifestyles and economies. Yeah, so my stance is that the warming we've seen so far and additional CO2 in the air so far since 1850, I think that's been a net benefit to humanity. But the whole idea of trying to cut off fossil fuels would be way more of a danger to humanity than a little more warming from burning those fossil fuels. I think it's a yeah. much bigger threat. Yeah. Yeah, you're 100% yeah. correct, because we have no clone to replace it. You know, I'd, I'd love to replace fossil fuels, but, you know, before you jump out of an airplane, you should have a parachute that's working. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah. to abandon yeah. fossil fuels, we've had almost 200 years to clone it, mm -hmm. and able to do it. To say that renewables is going to replace it, well, renewables only generate electricity. And if yes. you really yeah. look hard at it, if we eliminate fossil fuels, we eliminate wind turbines, solar panels, and EVs because wind turbines, solar panels, and EVs, all their parts are made with oil derivatives yeah. manufactured from crude oil. And so, you know, yeah. it's, the only good thing about getting rid of crude oil is your ground Air Force One. <laughs> there you go. I think, didn't Janet Yellen just say that we need to rid ourselves of oil and gas? I think she said that this week. Do I have that oh, right? Yeah. She's, yeah. You know, she's cloning what Biden is saying, but again, he, he has no backup plan. Right. You know, yeah. you can't have, you know, electricity's not going to run the world. Electricity can charge your iPhone, but it can't make your iPhone. Mm. You yeah. know, it can make yeah. the defibrillator in the hospital work, but it can't make the defibrillator. Yeah, you know, good, there's, good. there's the infrastructures that we did not have before 1900. You know, everything changed in 1900. We invented the car, we invented the uh, airplane, mm -hmm. and we really started discovering what we could do with crude oil. And a lot of creativity came out of the hydrocarbon industry in uh, developing, you know, the plastics, the different fuels uh, that helped win the wars. And <clears throat> there's... Um, like I say, there's 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 no turning back. Uh, like I say, if you want to jump out of the airplane, make sure you cut a parachute before you do it. Uh -huh. By getting rid of fossil fuels, you're shutting down. You're eliminating the medical industry, the electronic industry, the transportation industry. All the militaries go away. 
you know, look around your house, your office, um, you know, the hospital, and identify what was not made from oil derivatives. Interesting. And, yeah, yeah we're, you know, to go back to the 1800s, uh, you know, that the life was short, and, you know, people very seldom traveled 100 miles from where they were born, mm -hmm. and uh, longevity was like 40 years old, and, yeah, that that's that was decarbonized society, and uh, uh, we're not going to go back there. <laughs> Do you know of any success story around the world where there's any modern factory or modern uh, city that's powered only by wind and solar power? I don't know of anything like that. Is there? Absolutely not, yeah. because you know all those facilities need continuous, uninterruptible power. Yeah, and wind and solar cannot provide that, mm -hmm. and so. It's, it's basically a redundant electrical generating system that needs, you know, stability to uh, support it. And, you know, when you have two generating systems, really at the cost of one that you had, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, electricity goes up and uh, shortages of inflation are going to be in, uh, in perpetuity. Mm -hmm. You know, Thomas, the one of the things that people were not, really giving consideration to. And a lot of it's because of, of Biden's big push for getting rid of fossil fuels is the ESG movement, the environmental social mm -hmm. governance movement, divesting in fossil fuels. Well, the good news is, is working. The bad news is it's working mm -hmm. because what is happening in the entire world, there's 700 refineries and refineries are useless unless they've got crude oil to manufacture mm -hmm. into products. Now, of those 700 refineries, which were built when you could get a permit and build them, they're all old and they're getting very expensive to maintain. Mm -hmm. And the locals are saying, not my backyard. Mm -hmm. And so it's projected over the next five years of those 700 refineries, 20% will be shutting down. Really? Okay. That's 140 manufacturing facilities shutting down. Now, the demand's not going away. For all the products everybody wants their ipads and they want you know all the medications they're getting and etc cetera, etc cetera, and the ability to travel all over the world so demand is increasing and what you're doing is you're reducing the ability to supply so when you have high demand and short supply it's easy you've got shortages inflation and perpetuity okay that's that's going to be the the real hammer, and that's that's going to be, I think, uh, a further downfall for the EV movement because, you know, EVs are going to, like I say, EVs are expensive. Mm -hmm. The materials to make the EV are going to be shortage. You've heard of shortages of chips, mm -hmm. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> chips, plastics, and everything, and uh, EVs are going to get more expensive, which is going to make them less. Mm -hmm. less attractive to yes. the population and uh yeah that's that's the uh that's something people really aren't looking at and you know once these refineries shut down there is probably never a chance of them coming back right. and okay. so um that, i think that's the bigger problem for the society and the economy all right so do you think this is really going to happen in california the ban in the new internal combustion cars is that going to really happen Absolutely not. Okay. All right. <laughs> and I'll tell you what. 
Um, I think the auto industry has been mandated toward a death spiral. Mm -hmm. Let's take a look at that. When you take a look at the pieces of the EV puzzle, you have an extremely limited supply of lithium. And in fact, half of lithium is actually in Chile. It's actually controlled by the Chinese, but it's in Chile. Okay. And the locals said, hey, not in my backyard. And the Supreme Court agreed and shut it down. Okay. And in Europe, uh, they're about toward the end of this year, the first next year, about to classify lithium as health hazard. Oh, okay. And so the lithium mine in Germany is going to shut down. So the availability of lithium to make the batteries is disappearing soon. It's going to be in short supply, and all the automobile manufacturers are looking for lithium. And so price of lithium is going to go up. And duh, what's that going to do to the price of the EV? Duh, it's going to go <laughs> up higher. Now you got a lack of sufficient buyers outside the elite profile. The profile of the EV owner, and especially take a look at California. California has almost half the EVs in the entire country. Of course, we've got the most temperate climate. Never gets too hot, never gets too mm -hmm. cold. And <clears throat> the rest of the country, the other 49 states have the other 49%, which is kind of like 1% per state. Mm -hmm. They don't really care about it. And uh, yeah, so you have... Uh, you know, the profile of the buyer is highly educated, high income, multi-car family, mm -hmm. homeowner, and limited mileage requirements. Because mm -hmm. the EVs in California generally use about 5,000 miles a year. They drive as much as they drive the Maseratis. Okay. And <laughs> it, it's, it's a backup. It's a toy. And then you got the shortage of the inflation of the materials to supply the vehicles, which you mentioned about the refinery shutting down. All cars are going to go up and EVs can't afford to go up because they're out of reach right now. Mm -hmm. And then due to uh, EV potential fires, um, there's a questionable means, how are you going to transport them to America? Mm -hmm. Because over the years, um, I think it was in 19, in America, we manufactured like 10 million vehicles. But when you take a look at uh, China, India, Indonesia, um, Germany, they manufactured like 50 million cars. So all the manufacturing is going offshore and, and all the automobile manufacturers are going to EVs. So by 2035, all they could be doing is manufacturing EVs. And I don't know if you read about it, but off the coast of the uh, West Coast in March, there was a cargo ship that caught fire and oh, burned yeah. for days and sank. And it had 4,000 cars on it, cheap cars. There were Bentleys, Maseratis, Lamborghinis. Wow. Wow. People waited years for these things. Huh. And, you know, the fire burned for days. And the 12 crew members got off because of okay. the burning stuff. So, but it was either caused or contributed by an EV battery fire. And so now consider yourself Lloyd's of London. You're not going to be too excited about insuring the next cargo ship. Right. I mean, when these 4,000 cars went down, it was like $500 million to the bottom of the ocean. And then you got the concern about, you know, where's the electricity going to come from? You know, we keep shutting down, you know, natural gas power plants. Uh, Newsom gave a lifeline to the Diablo Canyon uh, nuclear power plant for a couple of years because he needs some votes. <laughs> and, but in a couple of years, Diablo comes down. And where's the electricity 
going to be available to charge the EVs. In fact, you know, California's went through a heat wave, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, the warning was, you know, you know, turn your temperature up, et cetera, et cetera. Do all these, all these things to you know save energy. And the last sentence was, don't charge your EV. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, the electricity is not going to be there to to be available to charge your EV. And and then the, the government, you know, we wrote the book Clean Energy Exploitation because it and it was nominated for Pulitzer Prize. And it talks about bringing transparency to the fact that some of the wealthy countries that are going green that require all these exotic minerals and metals like lithium and cobalt, et cetera, et cetera, that are coming from developing countries. And these countries have no environmental laws. They got no labor laws. And they're exploiting people who have yellow skin, brown skin, black skin. And it's, 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 a, it's a moral issue. In fact, I personally have made a decision. I won't buy an EV okay. for ethical reasons. Okay. Because after writing the book, I know where the lithium was coming from. And I'm not willing to financial support the environmental degradation and many atrocities going on around the world. You've heard of blood diamonds? Yes. These yeah. Are, these, are, these are blood minerals. Ah, okay. And right. uh, yeah, so it's 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 a it's a sad situation. And the fact that, especially in California, you know, half the country, I mean, half the state of California is Hispanic and African American. They're, they're not highly educated. They're not high income people. They're not multi car families, and you know, and they don't have um, garages to park their cars in. In fact, um, because of the EV battery fires in the in the supply of electricity, the UK implemented in July. If you have an EV and a home charger, it has to be programmed to not operate nine hours a day during peak load requirements. Really? And and mm. most importantly, your EV charger is on a separate meter. Okay. Because the UK knows they're going to have to rebuild their grid. And who's going to pay for it? The EV owners. Very their, interesting. Their, okay. their electricity okay. rates are going to be humongous. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of dark clouds on the, uh, on the EV market. So, it's it's nice that you know Newsom can, can talk about this, but okay, it, it, it ain't gonna happen. You I, know, I, I I was in Newport Beach over the weekend, and you know everybody is parked on the streets, and okay. I'm envisioning, my God, if these are EVs, how are they gonna charge them? And then I'm thinking, well, there'll be extension cords laying everywhere, <laughs> and if there's extension cords laying everywhere, they have to be made of copper. So they'll yeah. be stealing, you know, extension cords and take advantage of the copper. It's it, it's a disaster. Okay. And uh, so I, I have several questions that have been building up here. I didn't want to derail okay. you. Uh, one is in California, uh, how is it going over this whole idea of getting rid of internal combustion cars? Do people think that uh, it's going to happen? Do, do they believe it, that they're going to be able to charge them, given that they can't even charge the ones they already have? Is that coming up a lot? Like if we uh, have whatever, 10 times as many? Yeah, had multiple questions and the answer is no, yeah. no, 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 no. No, Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. No, people, people are not going to do it. And I, I think, like you say, by 2035, it's interesting. The auto industry, you know, personally, I'm an engineer. And I think the hybrid was the greatest thing we ever came up with. You know, it's okay. electric and gas. Mm-hmm. But the auto industry has been mandated to not make hybrids. 
Oh, I did not know that. Okay. Because they've been mandated to reduce the emissions from what they're manufacturing. And the only way they can meet those targets is to eliminate that gasoline engine, which is part of a hybrid. There's a handful of hybrids, but they're going to be disappearing because in the future, it's going to be 100% EV or nothing. I think the hybrid would be great because A, you know, you double your gas mileage mm -hmm. instantaneously, and it, it buys us another 50 years to develop battery technology because, you know, power for a cell phone is, is, is a small power requirement. But when you look at a large power requirement, you know, the Tesla battery weighs a thousand pounds. Yes, good point. The Ford, the Ford 150 that Biden's all excited about, its battery is 1,600 pounds. Mm -hmm. And the Hummer, the Macho Hummer has an EV. Its battery is over almost 5,000 pounds. It's a 10,000 okay. 10, pound tank. So off the top of your head, do you know the, uh, the weight of a car, a Tesla or something with an EV with a big battery versus a similar car, but it's just got a regular internal combustion engine? Do you know the difference between, in weight between those two choices? I don't know the percentage, but I, I know that EVs are heavier cars. Yes, yeah. And uh, yeah, you're right, they're heavier cars and actually putting more stress on the roads and not paying any taxes to maintain the roads. Yeah, I've heard more stress on the roads and more stress on the tires and they're causing pollution because the little bit, bits of tire are uh, are flying off. I've heard something about that, does that sound right? It, the tires wear out because the, the vehicle's heavier, yeah. Right, well, like yeah. the Hummer, you've got a 10,000 pound tank. Yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. But yeah, it, it's, it's gonna be a, a disaster. And I think the public is, they're not ready for it. Okay. Yeah, they just write it off because, you know, it's hard for them to think a year in advance. Yeah. Okay. My next question was about fires that I think there, I've seen something about how at some apartment complexes, you cannot park your EV underground under because they're worried it's going to catch fire and burn the building down. I don't know if you've heard anything about in, that. In Germany, they, some of the cities have issued uh, mandates that you cannot park your EV in an underground structure yeah. because of that. Yep. When an EV battery uh, ignites, it's a chemical fire. You can't put it out. All you can do is cool it. Mm -hmm. And it takes like 30,000 gallons. And you know, to get 30,000 gallons in an underground location, it's going to be right. Correct. In fact, uh, General Motors, they recalled all their uh, EVs and had to do uh, some modifications to the batteries. And when they returned them to the owners, they had safety recommendations. You know, basically, don't park it near anything that you really want to keep, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and when yeah. uh, you charge it, don't leave it unattended. Oh, uh, really? Okay. <laughs> so, okay. yeah, no, that's, yeah. that's coming. In fact, um, there's, there's a website that tracks uh, EV uh, fires, Tesla fires. Okay. And I think the last time I looked at, there was 95. And they just okay. something up. Okay. So yeah, yeah. you're you're gonna you're gonna see that. Then you you, know, you can't park it. And if you park it in your garage, you know if it ignites, it could burn your house down. Right. Right. Now so, I've seen horror stories where I think maybe a Tesla has caught on fire and they've had a crew of people th think they put it out and then it starts up again. Uh, right. Have you heard anything about that? And then well, another yeah. one is electric buses. I've seen some footage of electric buses where they're going up and there's just flames shooting out of both sides of the bus. It just uh, Looks like a, a rocket taking up. Are those real? Right. Those yeah. are real. Those yeah. are real fires. Yeah. Those are actual fires. I've got photos of those. But I think the greatest thing, this will go viral because 
uh, and I forget where it is, but they have a, uh, a fire engine that they made an EV. Oh, okay. and, and that would be that'd be a great article. I mean, when that EV ignites and yeah. the fire department can't put out the fire, <laughs> that would be the, that would be the thing, the end of the EVs. <laughs> Do you know? Uh, I don't know technically what is causing these fires. What is uh, what's happening when they go up so fast? Yeah, well, it's the chemical reaction. Um, okay. You know, you look back when people were taking their uh, um, their boards on airplanes that had EV batteries and they were igniting. You know, yeah. air, airlines yeah. won't allow EV batteries, you know, to come on the plane. Okay. Uh, but it's interesting. They don't want EV batteries on the airplane, but the government says it's okay to have an EV battery in your house yeah. or, or in your garage, you know, <laughs> infrastructure. And so it's... Yeah, there's there's mixed signals out there, but it it's okay. not there's not not a lot of good news for for EV futures. Okay. Uh, one other question I had, my last one here in this stretch is, uh, how about the lithium supply in Afghanistan? Uh, someone else I was talking to said there's a lot of lithium in Afghanistan. Does that sound right to you? Or? Oh yeah, yeah, lithium, they got uh, billions. The Chinese have that under control. Okay, all right. So yeah, China controls you know most of the lithium supply in the world, and uh, which is a good national security issue. <laughs> you know, okay, yeah, another one. You want to go green, and uh, you know China controls all that, and uh, it's yeah. It's like I say when uh, and if China ever gets uh, you know pissed off at America, yeah. mm -hmm. they can uh, really clamp down on this. Okay, but yeah, Minnesota right. does have it, and you know there's a, basically the Salton Sea in, in California is supposed to have a lot of lithium, but lithium is strip mining, and and Thomas strip mining that's the dirtiest operation around, and yeah. the the climate reduction, I mean the Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, that Biden signed with great you know, fanfare. There's, there's clauses in there that if you want to qualify for your EV subsidy, the lithium has to be mined in America. That's yeah. not going to happen. Okay. But what environmentalists, have you, have you ever seen any pictures of this? The strip mining of lithium is, is atrocious. It, it affects the water supply, it affects the health of the people exposed to lithium and uh, yeah. And it's, it's, it's a disaster. Okay. Do you think that's some sort of a loophole right there that might kind of destroy this whole idea of us trying to go entirely with EVs? That one loophole, is that a big deal? Well, I think it's obviously going to affect the sales yeah. because if, you know, right now the people taking advantage of the subsidies are the elites. Mm -hmm. And if you take the subsidy away because they don't qualify for it because lithium's not made here, um, it's going to affect the sales at that end. And so, you know, the lower class of people, they're never going to qualify. And so it's, yeah, I, I, as an engineer, I, I, I see this as obvious, just coming to a, a hard end for the auto industry. And that's going to be atrocious for the world because the whole world is, is driven by the auto industry. It employs so many people and so much manufacturing. And it's taken them years to basically ramp up to build EVs and it would take them years to go back to gasoline cars and they don't have the yeah. funds to do it. So the government would have to fund it and it's it's gonna be a, a disaster. So it does seem to me like an opening for politicians to, to easily push back against the whole idea that the non-elite should pay uh, 
to subsidize the Teslas for the, the Silicon Valley people? It seems like that's a no-brainer to push back against that. Well, I think the subsidies is basically a way of, is, like I mentioned, I won't buy an EV because I think it's financially supporting this environmental degradation of developing yeah. countries. Mm -hmm. Subsidies are basically encouraging this environmental degradation to continue yes. mm -hmm. in those countries. And so I think it's a, it's an ethical and moral issue to, uh, to even offer a subsidy. So it's, we'll see as, as, as time is marching on, I think it's gonna become very obvious that, uh, you know, they're basically making widgets and who, where's the buyer for the widgets? You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, how do you see looking ahead? I know it's hard to predict the future, but how do you see sanity coming back and, and people not trying to go entirely with EVs? Is it gonna take a while or what, what's gonna happen here, do you think? You know, Thomas, you know, from that movie, uh, you know, I'm mad as hell, I'm not gonna take it any longer. Yeah. I've been saying that for a decade that the people that are basically taking on the shorts by paying these high electricity rates because wind and solar, you know, can't do anything. Um, they're the ones that are getting hit with inflation and shortages. You know, the people that have the big bucks, mm -hmm. you know, if you have a hundred bucks to put in your gas tank, you know, it's no problem. But if you're flipping burgers, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, you're, you're in trouble because you're trying to put food on the table and pay utilities and pay rent and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And the thing that I'm so amazed at is the, it seems like all of government is, is bought into this bubble that they right. believe in. And then the poor public that's taking it in the shorts mm -hmm. keeps reelecting the same people. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> but at some point in time, you know, people are going to say, I'm mad as hell, I'm not going to take it any longer. You know, you know, you see in, in California, because, you know, Prices are very expensive here. And you see a lot of, you know, break-ins and, you know, the crash and grabs, uh, smash and grabs. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it's a sign of people are becoming desperate. You know, right. the homeless population in California is increasing um, because we got the highest cost of electricity, highest cost of fuel. And Biden is doing, I mean, uh, Newsom is doing everything possible to increase both of them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, right, right. It's it's crazy. And uh, yeah, I it, it doesn't make any logic, but everybody is in government. If if you don't believe in this, you know, we're going to rid the world of fossil fuels, we're not invited to the party. Right, and right. so it's a it's an elite group of people that are all talking the same thing. And if you, you know, talk about, you know, any logic, well, you're a denier. You know, and so you're not invited to the party. But okay. you know, whenever I give a presentation on uh, energy, I don't like to give a presentation as much as I have a conversation. Okay, all right. And uh, I have like over fifty questions that I share with the moderator, share with the audience, because most people are intimidated to ask an intelligent question about energy because it's so complicated. And so, if you want to ask a question about you know wind or EVs or you know whatever. Um, I now I provide them the question so they can stand up and ask an intelligent question. Okay, good. And, uh, and but to get the conversation going because I don't want to make a presentation about something they don't want to hear about. Right. You know, if they're if the audience is only there because you know they want to be pressured to buy an EV, the whole conversation might be about EVs. I don't know. But uh, yeah, it's really got to be a conversation. And anytime you know Biden gives a speech. You know, the press doesn't do anything. All they do is transcribe it. They don't question them. Right. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. If you say we're jumping out of an airplane without a parachute, hey, we're jumping out of an airplane without a parachute. Right. You know? mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so it's got to be a conversation. Okay. And, uh, you know, just like, you know, you've got questions, I'm trying to answer them. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and it's, that's the way it's got to be. Mm -hmm. Because just giving a speech that, you know, the world is going to come to an end because of fossil fuels. You know, I, I have a lot of faith in humanity's ingenuity. I mean, we, we can, we've developed the ability to survive any weather condition. Mm -hmm. You know, weather-related deaths have been eliminated by 98% mm -hmm. because we got clothing, you know, for the heat and the cold. We got air conditioning, we got heating. And, um, you know, we got, you know, medical industry and it's, it's just amazing, the ingenuity. And, you know, I, I was in Newport Beach over the weekend and I was noticing the uh, tide, the tide changing, and, you know, high tide, low tide. Mm -hmm. And just out of curiosity, in, in Newport Beach, the tide varies six feet. Okay. High tide, because of gravity, the pool from the moon and the sun. Mm -hmm. And so I was looking, you know, where, where's the really big tidal changes. And up in Alaska, between high tide and low tide, it's 40 feet. Is it? 40 feet. I did not know that. Okay. I mean, you can, you can watch it go up. You can watch it go down. But, mm -hmm. and like I say, there's, there's a lot of power from the, you know, earth and uh, mm -hmm. earth, moon and sun. And, you know, I, I, I take a look at, you know, climate change. Well, yeah, climate's been changing for a billion years. Mm -hmm. And I think the last ice age I think the ice was south of St. Louis. Okay. And, and when it retreated from a warming cycle, mm -hmm. and by the way, Thomas, there was nobody living on Earth during the warming cycle. And there was no fossil fuels, whatever. Um, the, the Great Lakes were developed. And the Great, you know, Lake Michigan, et cetera, et cetera. And those Great Lakes, unbelievably, they contain 20% of the fresh water in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. of the fresh water in the world is in those Great Lakes from the melting glaciers. And you take a look in the Grand Canyon. You know, those developed from melting glaciers. And I know exactly how many people lived here then. Yeah. No, nobody. <clears throat> you know, I don't think the dinosaurs were farting that much. I bet not. <laughs> so, okay. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we've gone through uh, you know, a lot of ice ages and we've gone through a lot of warming cycles. And all those warming cycles have occurred when nobody lived here. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so, you know, when you take a look at these wealthy countries that represent, you know, 6% of the world, you know, the UK and Australia and uh, America, it's, it's ridiculous to think that they're going to affect anything. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of power from the you know, sun and its activities and right, right, the moon and yeah. So it's it's trying to you know how do you prevent the next uh, hurricane? Yeah, you know, Mother Nature's going to take care of that. Absolutely. Uh, do you think the whole uh, thing in Germany, if it blows up energy-wise, people have a hard time heating their homes, etc. Do you think that's going to throw a pall over the whole green agenda and make people rethink it around the world? I, I have some hope for that, but. Uh, definitely. In fact, uh, this winter is going to be a real tough winter on a lot of European countries, yeah. primarily because of the Russian-Ukraine war, because it, it became very apparent that everybody's dependent on Russia yes. you know, for natural gas and, and mm -hmm. oil. And um, in some of these countries are now depending on breezes and sunshine for their survival. 
Uh, I think a combination of the two, depending on breezes and sunshine and being cut off right. from gas and oil from uh, Russia, I, I think you're going to see a real tough winter for a lot of those uh, civilians right. over there. And what the Greens are trying to say, though, is the problem in Germany is that they didn't put up enough wind turbines and solar panels, right? That's that's what well, they're trying to say. But Again, I've been talking to one of the uh, state senators. He's trying to uh, put some clamps on the wind and solar. I said, well, you know, penalize them for not delivering the power. You know, they, they promote, they got nameplate rating, but the nameplate rating is useless. You know, if you got a nameplate rating of a coal-fired power plant or a natural gas power plant or a nuclear power plant, they're going to crank out about 95% of what they yeah. rated at annually. But when you take a wind and solar, you, you give them all these subsidies to do a nameplate rating, and they produce, you know, like 1% to 5% per year. And I'm saying, well, hey, you know, penalize them. If they can't mm -hmm. produce the power that they're being approved for, yeah, penalize them. Yeah. What term do you use for that one to five percent? Or sometimes I hear thirteen percent. So you take the uh, nameplate rating, but then you name have plate, to divide. Nameplate uh, rating. You start with nameplate rating, but what is it? At, what's the real energy you get? Not the nameplate rating, but the real energy you actually do get. Do you call well, that the, the capacity factor, or, or? Uh, or? Well, it, it's really just the actual energy. Because, actual energy. Okay. Yeah. But uh, yeah, like you say, they you know they. You see all these things. Oh, we're putting 100 megawatts of wind turbines in. Well, you're not getting any power out of it. You're just right. installing it. Yeah, and then and, and they require a lot of you know materials. And uh, you know, right now, you know, both solar panels and wind turbines are lasting you know maybe 20 years, and we haven't found a way to recycle. Mm -hmm. I mean, Australia's got a lot of wind turbines. They're piling them up in toxic waste dumps. These old turbines. Yeah. So and we're seeing these. Uh photos of a huge uh, dumps where they're using bulldozers to bury the old wind turbines. That, that's right. the solution. That's what they're doing. They're, that's right. Yeah. Can't see them. It's okay. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and I just thought of another question before we go on. Uh, you mentioned, you mentioned ESG. I heard a uh, part of a podcast from Marty Bent talking about ESG. And he says that there's some signs that that's uh, starting to fail now because uh, there's so much extra cost in, in investing in ESG and the uh, returns are not that good and investors are starting to sour on it. Are you hearing that at all? Definitely, yes. There's a lot okay. of states that are basically issuing uh, laws against ESG. Okay, that's great it's news, great. isn't it? Yeah, It's, it's great news because, yeah. you know, how do, how do you give banks basically the power to set energy policy? Mm -hmm. And basically that's what they're doing. Right. They're, picking, they're picking winners and losers. They pick the loser loser being fossil fuels, so don't invest in that and invest in you know wind turbines and solar panels. And so it's uh yeah as, as you see more and more of this lack of wind and solar to being able to deliver and the cost and shortages and inflation going up, that that's I call the ESG factor. Like I said, as I mentioned earlier, the good news is ESG is working, the bad news is ESG is working. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But if it's starting to fail, I'm uh, taking some, uh, I, I'm taking heart. I, I, I enjoy hearing that. Yeah. Cause yeah, it's, it's affecting people's wallets and um, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah, you can't do that. Crudely, like I mentioned earlier, you know, it's mm -hmm. uselessness of manufacturing something usable because the world populated from one day billion in 200 years. Mm -hmm. And because of all the products and medications and, you know, technology, 
I mean, take COVID. I mean, I, I really, like I said, fortunately it happened at this period of time because mm -hmm. we have the technology to work remote and educate remote. Mm -hmm. Thomas, if it happened 10 years ago, it would have shut the world down mm -hmm. because yeah. you couldn't, you couldn't have a Zoom meeting. It didn't even exist. Mm -hmm. And so the, um, yeah, the fact that uh, those 6,000 products and all of the infrastructures that exist today, you know, water treatment and, uh, and water storage and dams and, um, you know, airlines, you know, today we have, there's like 50,000 jets in the world and 50,000 merchant ships in the world, okay. moving products all over the world. And now, you know, now we have 8 billion people. We need those to keep those people alive. Mm -hmm. And if you get rid of fossil fuels, you're going to be back to sailboats yeah. and, you know, that we know airplanes. Um, yeah, it's, it, that, that's going to be devastating to humanity. So I'm seeing these articles now saying, hey, we've got this new great idea to prevent bad weather. We're going to use sails on our ships. I'm actually seeing that. Isn't that it's so crazy to me? Yeah. In fact, yeah. I think it was I think it was Ben Franklin in his lifetime. He sailed back and forth to the UK eight times. Yeah. That That's sounds amazing because right. each time took like a couple months. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I mean, that. You know, plus you know seasickness and you know bad food and you know et cetera, et cetera. So it, it's almost unfathomable that Ben Franklin was able to survive that. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, sailboats is you know, like I say, it, it, would, it would totally change uh, humanity. By the way, you know, do you, do you know how long it takes now for a, a a container ship to go across the Atlantic? I don't even know. I wonder. Power, I mean, powered. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, usually about a week. I know is, California, okay. California, you know, Newsom is, is basically falling by getting rid of fossil fuels. Yeah. And California is the only state in America, only state in America that imports oil. Oh, I did not know that. Okay. We, back in 95, uh, we imported uh, 5% between you know, Alaska's you know, production and California's in-state production, we were pretty much self-sufficient. We had about 95% of our crude oil needs from that to meet the demands of society. And because of, you know, Governors Brown and Schwarzenegger and now, you know, Newsom, they keep wanting to cut back in-state production. And they've been successful. Oh, have they? Okay. So we used to import 5%. Today we import 58%. Really? Okay. And California is an energy island. Because, you know, when Trump was president and uh, you know, America was a net oil exporter because of fracking in the Midwest, California has zero access to that oil. And the reason being, there's no pipelines over the Sierra Mountains. Okay. Right. The only way to get that oil from the Midwest to California is through the Panama Canal. Really? Okay. And it's cheaper okay. to bring it in from Saudi Arabia. Okay. So and in fact, uh, the, with the price of oil today, that's costing California about $150 million a day. Every day, we're sending the oil-rich foreign countries. And the interesting thing is these uh, oil tankers, they use a bunker fuel. It's a really low-grade fuel mm -hmm. because they need so much of it. And um, the emissions of these tankers, the annual emissions of tankers that are crossing the ocean to bring that oil to California, their annual emissions 
exceed the entire mobile fleet of California. Very interesting. Okay. And, and so Newsom is Newsom. He lives in a bubble. Huh. I, I was a joke, but I think I'm believing it more and more. He only breathes California air. Okay. He doesn't believe breathe anybody else's air. So it's okay to move uh, the okay. emissions somewhere else, as long as his bubble is pure. Okay. And so he's trying to purify his bubble, and that's why you know he, he's run its banned uh, gasoline cars. His bubble will be pure. Mm -hmm. That's okay if we manufacture those cars yeah. in countries yeah. that have no yeah. environmental controls, because he doesn't breathe that air. Another funny thing is, you know, the Bay Area Air Quality Management District wants two other refineries in Northern California to uh, become a little cleaner. Okay. And now we're talking California. We got the cleanest refineries in the whole world. Mm -hmm. Of those 700 refineries in the world, we got the cleanest ones. Uh, okay. And the Air Quality Management District in the Bay Area wants the two refineries, Chevron and PBF, to reduce their particular emissions. Because they calculated that those 12 kids having asthma attacks that they can save. And to, to do that, both refineries would have to spend in excess of a billion dollars. Okay. And both have said, we have to do this, we're out of here. And now it's in the courts. Okay. And if it survives the courts, these refineries are shutting down. Now, if they shut down, now you get into the real nitty gritty. Chevron and PBF are the only two refineries in Northern California that manufacture aviation fuel for the international airports in San Francisco, Oakland, Sacramento, San Jose, and the entire military in Northern California. Okay. So when those refineries shut down, if the community gets away, that av aviation fuel comes from China. Uh, okay. I thought you were going to say that. Okay. <laughs> so, but, and like you say, you know, the fact that, you know, we might have, you know, thousands of people dying in China from air pollution because they have no environmental controls. That's okay. Right. We're going to clean up our bubble. So how, how is California air quality now versus uh, 1970s? If you measure particulates or whatever, it has to be oh, better. It's, yeah, better? it's much better. You know, when you take a look at the industrial revolution, uh, you know, the first automobiles, they were smokers. First refineries were smokers, right. but you get the technology and you can pretty much you know clean up the act. Now the cars are cleaner, they're more efficient. Uh, refineries, when you drive by and you see all this uh, you know, called smoke coming, it's steam. Yes, okay. It's not. Steam. Okay. And uh, yeah, like you say, the refineries around the world have become much much more efficient, and uh, and I think that's the thing we've got to focus on, you know, efficiency and conservation. Mm -hmm. And uh, it will maintain the, you know, the quality of air we have. Uh, another but, question. Another question I have is: are, Do they still have oil seeps off the coast of Santa Barbara? You know, they had the oil spill off of Santa Barbara, and you know, big, big thing. Yeah, you can't you know, drill in the ocean. But you're right; there is natural seepage. Right. But they don't recognize that as is is oil leakage because it's natural; you can't control it. Mm -hmm. But the natural seepage. Has exceeded the oil spill tenfold. Right, right. but, but nobody cares. Okay. Nobody cares, right? right? But the interesting thing is, we have a lot of oil offshore, but with technology, you don't have to drill in the ocean to get it. You drill on land oh. and you slant drill to get it. All the drilling would be on land, but okay. Newsom, you can't get a permit to, to drill anything really. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. 
So it, it's sitting there, but we can't get it. I'm curious. I have no idea. If you're on land, how far out can you slant drill? Uh, how oh, far? Miles. miles. Miles out there. Oh, yes. Okay. All yeah, right. it, it's, it's, it's pretty efficient. So it would be uh, great to, uh, you know, control our destiny because, you know, we're, what, the seventh largest economy in the world, and we're dependent on foreign countries for our oil. We're dependent on China, basically, to go green with these EVs. Right. And, uh, you know, no one talks about national security. <laughs> so here's a dumb question. Uh, can they turn corners when they're slant drilling or it has to be a straight, straight drill? Uh, How does this technology work? They can't drill they, down and drill off to the side? Can they do that? Well, what they do, they, they come down and then just make a turn and go out. So they can make turns. Oh, yes. yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How do they do that? How do they make uh, that that I don't know. I mean, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, that that that's an industry I, I I follow them, but I don't know the technical. That's really impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Is there any fracking going on in California? A little bit. Okay. Uh, but you know, Newsom trying to shut it all down. He's trying to shut down all oil production. You know, the existing oil producing wells, he wants basically a setback, like three thousand feet from schools or housing. And yeah. you know, when you do that. Because you know, California is so populated, you're going to shut right. down most of the right. oil right. production in California. And when you do that, I mentioned we were importing 58%. Well, that's going to increase. I mentioned it's yeah. costing $150 million a day. That's going to increase. Right. But that's okay because Newsom's going to clean up his little bubble. Right. Do you, do you think he's doing this uh, to clean up the air mostly, or do you think he's doing it because he wants to prevent bad weather because carbon dioxide causes bad weather? I'm curious. Well, I don't know. You know, it's just a personal thing. When I look at Newsom and Biden, I look at, you know, dumb and dumber. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> so, I, I, you know, I, it's, it's a discouraging, but I firmly believe he believes it. Yeah. He has yeah. no understanding. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's obviously not an engineer and neither is Biden. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, and they've had, got a lot of advisors, but like I say, the advisors, you know, you're not invited to the advisory committee unless you believe in what they believe. Right. Okay. I mean, if you believe that, you know, there's a way to, uh, to drill cost effectively, you won't be invited to the advisory committee. <laughs> this is more of a global question, but in terms of people who are trying to shut down fossil fuels, do you think they're more stupid than evil? I'm curious. At this point in time, it's, I, I think it's virtually towards stupidity. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think it's an evil intent. Mm -hmm. I think it's a lack of understanding. And I think the lack of understanding really starts with the definition of energy. They keep talking about renewable energy. Mm -hmm. Thomas, it's not renewable energy. It's only renewable energy. Like Electricity. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Electricity, like I say, you, you can't do anything with electricity unless you have fossil fuels because the, we know iPads the power. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we, right. we know, you know, defibrillators the power. And, uh, and like I say, if you really get rid of crude oil, you're going to get rid of wind turbine solar panels because right. all the plastics yeah. and the electronics to, to make them work are made with oil derivatives. So, it's, it's a vicious cycle and uh, there is no silver bullet answer. I think, you know, 
there's a place for EVs and I mean, people that have, you know, limited mileage requirements, you know, hey, fine. But most people need a workhorse. Mm -hmm. And, you know, over the years, people have moved from uh, sedans to EVs, I mean, to uh, SUVs. And, uh, you know, the cars have gotten bigger, so, you know, they could take the whole family. Um, but you take an EV and you make an EV into an SUV, whoa, now you got a bigger car, you got a bigger battery and a right. bigger price tag. And so, yeah, to, to change the uh, lifestyle of people, I... I, I think, you know, 94% of the world that's developing could benefit from joining the Industrial Revolution and, uh, and benefiting from the products that are available from, from crude oil. Okay. And you would, yeah, like I say, eliminate or you could reduce the you know, child fatalities that are happening because, you know, there's so much poor going on in the world that it's, it's really terrible. I mean, in India, you know, I, I would think they would want to have um, these national conventions in some of these poor countries, mm -hmm. but they don't because there's no way to land those private jets. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But it's it's appalling that you know some of these people can barely put food on the table for for one day. Right. In fact, in our book, Clean Energy Exploitations, uh, we debated my co-author Todd Royal. Um, about what to use for the cover. And we used the cover from a photograph from Africa. It's a guy with an Uzi overlooking oh. the mining. Oh, really? A family, of, you know, mining for the stuff by hand. And uh, that's what's going on over there. And uh, like I said, that's that's why I won't buy an EV because okay. I know where the lithium is coming from and I'm, I'm not willing to support that. Very interesting. Uh, before I forget, did you happen to see... Um... Andrew Dessler's appearance on Joe Rogan, a climate scientist, Andrew Dessler. He was on Rogan, I believe, and he was talking all this crazy stuff about, of course, we can use wind turbines and solar panels to power our economy. It it, it was a incredibly clueless. It went on for a long time. I don't know if you saw that. I did not. Yeah. Like I say, it, it's, it's only electricity. And you know, no, the UK, you know, they are heavy into wind turbines and they had a, a wind vacation over there. Mm -hmm. The wind pretty much shut down for two weeks. And uh, yeah, okay. yeah, like you say, it, it's only electricity. That's that's mm -hmm. the thing that I wish Biden and Newsom could understand that wind and solar can only produce electricity. But it's only electricity, but it's not even that, right? It's intermittent. Yeah, it's intermittent. It's not even that. It's unreliable. Yeah, yeah. And, so they, our... they can, and they can manufacture absolutely nothing. Yeah, for good point. Um, are you open to doing any debates either in person or online with the people like Andrew Dessler? I would love to see you debate this stuff with him. I, I would love to. I mean, I, yeah. I would love to have, you know, a debate with AOC. You know, yeah. She makes statements, but I would just, you know, like to ask her the questions. And yeah, yeah it, it's got to be a conversation. Yeah. And, have you done any debates at all yet? Uh, has, uh, yeah. I have not with anybody that has, I guess, the power of the microphone. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because AOC, you know, she got the microphone. Whatever she says, yeah. Granted, you know. but yeah, yeah, it has to be a debate and let the audience. Uh, yeah, I would love to get and Andrew Dessler on here and uh, do a debate with you. I'd love to see that. But I'd I'm love probably to wishful it. thinking. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, just uh, invite him, and then uh, you know. Yeah, I will invite him. We'll see what happens. At the last minute, hey, we have Ron yeah. Stein. <laughs>
<laughs> well, you know, when you're talking about EVs, you know, yeah. uh, in, in summary of what I was talking about, all the dark clouds on the EV mm -hmm. market, you know, in summary, the, the passion of a few wealthy countries to achieve, achieve zero emissions at any cost, it's going to face major supply chain issues of lithium and supply chain issues for the body parts, affordability, safety from spontaneous fires, availability and affordability of electricity from breezes and sunshine, and the ethical challenges that are exploiting folks in poor countries. You know, just for the elites to drive an EV manufactured by the few that can survive the government mandated desperate. That's yeah. uh, I I don't have a lot of faith as the years come by. Twenty thirty five is not that far away. It's not. No. And uh, you know, like I say, you know, you're seeing. Well, you know, I, I drive a sedan, and you're seeing less and less sedans because everybody wants an SUV. But yeah. all the EVs are sedans because they're the lightest cars that they can yeah. make. Mm -hmm. And um, very few uh, SUVs or EVs. Um, you know, out of curiosity, I, I was leasing a uh, Mercedes-Benz 450SL. That's a two-door convertible. Okay. And uh, I was, it was time to go back to a sedan. It was getting hard to get in and out of the damn Okay. And so, and I, I qualify for an EV buyer. You know, being highly educated, you know, high income. Okay. And so I, I, I went on the Mercedes website and I said, okay, my four-door sedan is an as an EV and it's stickered out at 112. Really? Wow. I said, holy crap. <laughs> and so I looked at the four-door sedan as a gasoline car, it was fifty thousand less. And so I said, Whoa, okay, now my my 450 SL was on a lease for three years. And so if, with the mileage I was getting and the price of fuel, I figured over the three-year period, I would spend $5,000 for fuel. So I was working out with my, my personal trainer and I said, do I really want to spend an extra 50,000 so I could save 5,000? <laughs> he, said, he said, Ron, you buy that EV, I'm going to kick your ass. Oh, good, glad to hear that. So I bought my car, gasoline sedan, <laughs> so, <laughs> but it was out of curiosity. Uh, so, like I say, it's, it's ridiculous. So if you were to buy that $112,000, whatever, it was $112,000 yeah. EV, yeah. would you get it 7,500 subsidy from the little people? Of course. You would. Yeah. Yeah. That is insane. I think. It's, it's, right. Yeah. It, it's, it's stupid. Yeah. Right. For right. the people that can afford it, they don't need a subsidy to encourage them to do it. And again, that subsidy is just encouraging that environmental degradation going on around the world. I mean, what percent of the households in California can afford a car that costs 112,000? Is it more than I think? Maybe it uh, is. It's a single digit number. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. And then, like I say, that's, you know, I, I live in the Irvine area, um, you know, the Irvine, Newport, uh, Silicon Valley, that's where all the EVs are. You know, yeah. you go to the poor locations, you don't see an EV. Yeah. I mean, do ordinary people, uh, I guess you already answered that question, people that are, have an actual job and they only have one vehicle, what percent of the time is that one vehicle a pure EV? It's, it's almost never, is it? Never. Yeah. yeah. It's like I say, it's, it's just a market and, and that's one of the clouds. You know, where are the buyers? Right. You know, yeah. you're only making them and, uh, you know, if, if they manufactured 
Coca-Cola in uh, you know 72 ounce containers, no one would buy it. You know, yeah. <laughs> you got to have it in you know containers that they can afford and that type of thing. And so it's it's crazy. Like I say, it, it's it's effectively they're being mandated to do this, right? Right. Because they got to reduce the emissions of what they're manufacturing. The only way to do that is eliminate the gasoline car. Like I say, there's you know there's a shortage of supply of the uh, you know, lithium materials, lithium and cobalt, and and all the the chips. Um, you know they're all coming from China, and it's yeah. I'm not a big promoter of EVs because I, I think it's going to be death spiral for the auto industry. Do you have any thoughts on where Tesla's going as a company? Like 10 years from now, how are they going to be doing? Well, he's making his money, uh, you know, off of, you know, rebates and uh, tax credits and that type of thing. He's, yeah, Musk is a genius. Um, he, if, if anybody survives, he might be the only survivor. Okay. I think all the others, you know, Mercedes and Audi, BMW, Honda, okay. everybody's going to EVs. I, I don't think they're going to make it. Yeah, but if Tesla had to compete just straight up against gasoline-powered cars, straight up, no subsidies, they they wouldn't uh, be able to do it, right? Well, you know, if if you you know, most people buy a car for necessity. Yes. And uh, you know, if and like say you buy what you can afford. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd love to live in you know twenty million dollar house, but you know, reality is I can't afford that. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the same type thing. You know, I look at. The cars in some of these uh, communities that have, you know, Hispanic and African Americans, and they're all old vehicles. And I'm thinking, they probably can't afford a piece of crap that they have. Now right. you can say, you happen to buy an EV, <laughs> Tom, and it can happen. Yeah. I, I think I've read that the the age of the average car on the road in the U.S. is 12 years. I think your battery is not going to last 12 years, is it? Uh, if you buy a brand new EV. You're going to have no. to replace the battery at least once and maybe more. Maybe well, more. You, know, you bring up another issue yeah. that the auto industry has survived on the resale market. Yeah. Because you can always buy a used gasoline mm-hmm. car because they, you know, they, they last for like, you know, 50 years or more. But no one's going to buy a used EV mm-hmm. because, you know, the batteries basically degrade daily. I mean, after 10 years, they can't even get you the yeah. mileage range that you bought it for. And then with technology changes, if you have to replace the battery, well, they're probably not making that battery anymore. Right. And so, yeah. So there is, I don't think there is a resale market for the EV industry. And that is the auto industry, the resale industry. Well, I wish because- I had this, I wish I had this tweet in front of me, but there was just a tweet in the last month out there where somebody posted a receipt for a new battery on some normal EV. It wasn't even a Tesla. And I think, I thought the new battery cost might've been $28,000. Is that, so, have you heard anything uh, like that? Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, saw that? Yeah. yeah. So that was real? That was real. That was real. Yeah. Oh. And I think the battery was, uh, it had to come from a third party or something. And it's, yeah. And then, and batteries are like wind turbine solar panels. Yeah. You know, we haven't, you know, it contained, a Tesla battery has 25 pounds of lithium in a thousand pound battery. And right now there's not an economic way to recycle them yet. Okay. And so, you know, right now when your fast flashlight battery, you know, craps out, what do you do? You throw it in the trash can. Right. <laughs> what do you do with your thousand pound Tesla battery? <laughs> you need a couple guys from your next door neighbor to help you <laughs> put it in the trash can. Hey, uh, this reminds me, how about this whole thing? It may have been 10 years ago or more 
where um, Tesla was getting money based on the idea that you could just drive into a, a, a bay somewhere and automatically swap out the battery with one that was already charged. A robot was going to take out your Tesla battery and put in a charged battery. And they got, you know about this? Because I think it was a complete crock and it never happened since then. But you I think know, they were getting money based on the idea that they could do that. And I haven't heard a thing about it for years now. Let me give you an analogy. Um, I was driving uh, my Mercedes and one of my uh, headlights uh, went out. You know, it's an LED light. And so you don't have to take it in for service. You go in the drive through and they basically take it right there. But it took them 10 minutes to get to the damn thing. All right. He pulls it out. He says, here, go to, you know, supply, buy a new one. We'll put it in. So just to replace a light bulb, it took them it took a half an hour <laughs> to replace a light bulb. And right. they're going to they're gonna exchange the battery. They were. With, with all the connections. and. I think that was amazing that that was supposed to be happening. And now it just went away. I don't know. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> Another great theory. All right. Let's see. Yeah. So uh, getting back to this $28,000 battery, there can't hardly be any ordinary households in the whole country who would just say, okay, I'm going to pay another 28,000 for a new battery for my car. Uh, that's yeah, totally just, cost prohibitive. Yeah. Just, just take it out of petty cash. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's amazing. It's gotten as far as it has, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think we're going to be the uh, vintage car capital of the world. Vintage cars. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, just, uh, just like Cuba, you go down to Cuba, you see all the cars from the 1940s, 1950s. Oh, do you? Okay. Oh, yeah, Sorry. they're classics down there. Okay. And right. uh, that's what we're going to have because, you know, the way the, the law is in California, you can't buy a gasoline car in California. You can oh. buy it in Arizona, okay. but you can't buy it in California. And the Air Resources Board has no control over registration. So you just buy your car in Arizona and you register it here. Okay. So unless, unless all the states, you know, buy into this uh, concept of not buying a you know, gasoline car, it's, it's people work around it. Okay. So maybe that'll happen. The people will be driving cars that are 40 plus years old. Okay. Didn't think about that. But like I say, you know, the fact that it's so far away, people aren't paying attention to it. Yeah. Uh, I was talking to uh, my gardener because they're banning gasoline blowers and that type of thing. Oh. And uh, he doesn't care about that. The reason being, no. He says, because when he buys equipment, it'll last, you know, for you know, 10 years. So just before they ban it, he'll buy new equipment that's going to okay. last 10 years. Yeah. And he'll retire before it craps really? up. Okay. <laughs> so it, it doesn't affect him. Nice. <laughs> so, it was too bad, though, that Obama uh, wrecked all those engines in cash for clunkers. There was those, I don't know if you saw videos, they, they had the whole cash for clunkers thing where they were pouring something into the engine to wreck these perfectly good engines. That's right. bad that he did that, but because those engines would have still, they'd still be working right now, wouldn't they? It hasn't been that long ago. Either that, or like I say, they, you know, they, they ship them down to developing countries. You know, developing countries, you know, they get you know, used airplanes, like used cars, and, but, uh, you know, there's... When you take a look at the the poor people in this world, I think you know the billions of people that are you know barely making ten dollars an hour. That's atrocious, yeah, and they yeah. they don't have they don't have enough money to subsidize themselves out of a paper bag. Okay, so obviously they're not going to subsidize wind and solar. You know, mm -hmm. if you take the U.S., the U.K., Germany, Australia, wipe them off the face of the earth. 
every person manufacturing does eliminate them. You know what's going to happen to emissions? Emissions are going to explode. Oh, okay. Because of China, India, and Africa. But they got thousands oh, of coal-fired yes. power plants. They're building thousands more. That's right. Because they, they need, from the basics, they need electricity for their people. And coal is available. It's abundant. It's inexpensive. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so, and they've got no environmental regulations. And so, like I say, it's the, I call it the clean bubbles of the wealthy countries. Uh, we think we're going to basically save the world. And okay. yeah, you, you can eliminate the US, the UK, Australia, Germany, China, India, and Africa. They're going to okay. be polluting and but we don't we don't breathe that air. You remember that? Yeah. So, <laughs> is it your sense that the people who are running the Chinese economy, whoever they are, uh, they do not believe in the climate scam? It seems to me like they don't. I, I think they're intelligent con artists. Uh, you know, when you take a look at the anti-fracking, you know, uh, movement that was going on here, part of the anti-fracking movement was funded by Russia. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah, because Putin, yeah. he's he's pretty intelligent. He's the, he's a war historian. He knows that uh, you know the country that controls oil and natural gas controls the world. I mean, that's basically the major reason that the U.S. you know won the World Wars One and Two. You know, Germany, yeah, they didn't have the access to oil to move their planes and tr troops and everything else. And uh, you know, besides us being a little bit more intelligent, but you know, the lack of energy uh, was a downfall to them. Now, China has pretty much no crude oil. So okay. China is not going to be a major force in a war, in all our war as we know it. They're going to be involved in an economic war. And uh, like I say, with them controlling all the, um, the exotic minerals and metals to go green and controlling a lot of the manufacturing because, you know, they have cheap labor, slave labor, and no environmental controls. Uh, yeah, they, the, the world is pretty much a lot dependent on China and uh, China could probably win the war without firing a rifle. Okay, <laughs> okay. That's interesting though, that China does not have much access to their own crude oil, but how about uh, coal? Do they have much coal or they're buying a lot oh, from Australia? A lot of coal. They have a lot of coal. Yeah, yeah. they got thousands of coal-fired power plants and they're building the equivalent yeah. of about oh, one coal-fired power plant a day. Are they burning their own coal or are they shipping a lot of it in from elsewhere? That's my question. Uh, no, they're burning their own. Their own, okay. Yeah. All right, all right. But uh, fracking is not going to be much of a thing in China. They just don't have, uh, they don't There's have nothing, the assets. Nothing, they don't have it. Nothing to frack, yeah. Okay, all right. And they don't have much of their own lithium either, I guess, huh? No, no. Like I said, yeah. most of it's uh, yeah. elsewhere. Yes, okay. Uh, right. They got the technology yeah. and so yeah. You know, they went yeah. into Afghanistan and you know, maintained right. control of that. And in Chile, I mean, they're going to be running that operation. Okay. The locals okay. got the Supreme Court to agree and shut that down. So, yeah, they, the Chinese are they're pretty intelligent. And yeah. uh, when, you know, when America was a net exporter, that did not make Putin very happy because Putin wants the U.S. to be dependent on him. Oh, and, yeah. It was so, interesting because when they hacked that, uh, when the Russians hacked that pipeline on the East Coast, and it pretty much shut down the East Coast, I said to my friends, "That's the best thing that's ever happened to America." Biden wanted to get rid of, he wanted to get rid of crude oil. He just did. <laughs> <laughs> Great idea. There was this whole idea, I think, in 2008 from Tom Friedman about green China, about how they're going to show us how to run their economy on wind turbines and solar panels. 
but uh, they are doing that a little bit, right? But maybe it's just for show. They're putting up some wind turbines and solar panels, but they're not trying to run their economy in any way. Uh, exactly. I don't think. Exactly. Yeah. It's kind of like talking on both sides of the mouth. They, yeah. They, big hoopla are putting up, you know, wind turbines, and the world gets all excited. Hey, China's yeah. going green, you know. Yeah. And then at the same time, they start building more coal-fired power yeah. plants. So do you think they're deliberately doing that just to try to sell the idea that, look, look at us. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. They're doing that. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And okay. We're buying into it 100% too. <laughs> if you uh, get a chance to uh, have a conversation with, uh, quote, the other side, yes, uh, we'd be delighted to uh, participate. Okay. Yeah. I would love to see that. That would be great. And, uh, and ask them, uh, you know, some questions that... Uh, you know, I was looking at the rocket launch that's coming up in a couple of weeks uh, at Cape Canaveral. The, that rocket going to the moon, sitting on the ground, weighs 4.4 million pounds. Uh -huh. Okay. And you know, I'm saying, holy crap, you want to get that off the ground? Uh, yeah. And you yeah. want to get it up to 20,000 miles an hour? <laughs> you know, nowadays, you know, when I fly in an airplane or take a cruise, take a step back. Look at that airplane. Look at that cruise ship. That's one big sucker. Yes, and you yes. got this thing to move. <laughs> and so it, it is amazing that, uh, you know, commercialization of, of power is something. You know, you talk about these electric airplanes, you know, it takes weeks to, you know, go from one end of mm -hmm. the country to the other end of the country with one person on board. Um, but yeah, you know, airlines are moving billions of people. And, you know, the 50,000 merchant ships are moving products all over the world. And, you know, we got 8 billion people. We, we basically, now we need to keep them running just to maintain mm -hmm. the, the livelihood and health and well-being of, of those people. And so it's, um, I think it's wishful thinking, but I would love to be uh, on the other side debating some of these people yeah. that uh, want to go green. I did think I, I read some stat about how to replace the fossil fuel that's on a big jet airliner with a battery, the battery would have to weigh something like 3.5 million pounds. And there's no way to get the plane to, to uh, take off if you have a battery that weighs that much. Uh, have well, you heard it. anything about that? Yeah. Well, the heavier the, the vehicle, the, the more power it takes to get it off the ground. Yes. So it did, yeah. Okay. Basically, you know, it gets worse and worse. And then you may just have enough to get off the ground and you'll be landing. So thank you very much. I really enjoyed talking to you and uh, Ronald Stein. And I uh, hope yeah, to talk to you well, again later. All right. Energyliteracy.net. That's that's my books, my articles. Okay. Send me an email. Put I'll, it on the list. Yeah, I'll, put, uh, I'll put that in the uh, show notes. Thank you very much. Talk to you later. Bye. Okay, Tom. Have a great day and a great yeah. week. Okay, you too.